Hi, and welcome to the 46th Womanthology podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton, and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. In this episode, I will be chatting with Olivia Dickinson, owner at Digital Olive, inclusivity consultant and spokesperson at Let Toys Be Toys. Ahead of International Day of the Girl 2022, Olivia joins us to discuss the Let Toys Be Toys campaign and their latest research that challenges gender stereotyping in toys, books and their promotion. She also shares how you can get involved and make a difference. Ines Santos, our associate editor, is off on her holidays, so I will be talking you through the new content in the written issue. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in your details on the front page of our website. That's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash womanthology and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We have got Olivia Dickinson, who is owner at Digital Olive. She's an inclusivity consultant and she is a spokesperson for the Let Toys Be Toys campaign. How are you doing, Olivia? Thank you very much for having me. Well, we're looking forward to hearing all about the campaign and the research and the work you've been doing. And you've got a really interesting career background as well. So could you start off by telling us a bit about that? My whole career to date, that feels like quite a long time. So I grew up in Somerset and I studied English at university and then I moved to London and I've worked since then for the BBC and for Nickelodeon and for Amazon. And I now specialise in children's media. So I work in mainly digital media for kids. So I make games for kids. I do user testing for digital products. And I've also more recently done some inclusivity consultancy. So that's looking at things like children's TV programmes and how to make them diverse and inclusive. There's a lot more, obviously, because I'm already well into my mid-40s, but that's a quick recap. I also have a master's in early childhood, which I did while I was at the BBC. And one of the reasons I did that was because I really wanted to understand young children and get into the research of child development. So we've done loads of stuff with the Let Toys Be Toys campaign over the years. So Tess Tribune, who's one of the co-founders, has spoken to us for the written magazine several times. But for those people who missed it, could you give us a bit of a recap about the campaign, what it's all about and what you do as part of it? So the Let Toys Be Toys campaign started in late 2012. I will talk a bit later about how it's our 10th anniversary this year, which is very exciting. I got involved in it in 2014, but between 2012 and 2015, it had some massive successes. It started a group of parents on Mumsnet, and some actually who aren't parents have always been quite heavily involved, were really frustrated about how toys in physical shops to begin with were being sold. So there were girl and boy aisles, there were signs and labels saying some toys are for girls and some toys are for boys, particularly in a run up to Christmas in 2012. So it was launched then. So it started on social media and it was very much about approaching toy shops but also the supermarkets the big department stores any toy retailer really and pointing out that all toys are for everyone and to take down the signs and labels and in those first two or three years we had massive success with 15 retailers taking down 
the sign saying boys toys or girls toys and 11 publishers because we moved into books as well so since then we still campaign because although the signs and labels have come down lots of the roots of the campaign is challenging sexism and gender stereotypes in childhood and enabling children to feel that they can play with anything. We're massive believers in having a varied play diet. As we know, there's actually evidence to show if children are limited in what they play with, that can affect what they're interested in later or what their spatial ability is like. I think we're the same sort of age, but I can't quite remember that same level of gendering when we were growing up. Is it just me or has it got worse? Yeah, it has got worse. So if you look at the work of Elizabeth Sweet and I think also Rebecca Haynes in the US, they have documented that since the 1990s, it's got a lot worse. So you're right. A lot of us who were part of the campaign grew up in the 70s and 80s when there's a lot less pink and blue. So even the clothes are different, brown and (laughs) that sort of thing. In the 1970s, girls and boys wore very similar clothes. But from a toy perspective, the gendered aisles really came in quite heavily from the mid-90s, which is more when I was going to university. And so when a lot of us were having children of our own or starting to know people who were having children and we were buying toys or new baby cards or whatever, it was a real sort of, wow, what has happened in the last 10 or 20 years? So you're right, there's been a shift. And obviously, we'd love to say that there has been a shift the other way now in that if you go into some toy shops, it's definitely much less gendered, but we're still quite frustrated that things like the packaging and the messaging is still very colour-coded and the pink and blue has really taken over. Now, Let Toys Be Toys is really active and there's been some really interesting research that's been produced. Could you talk us through the most recent? Yes, so our most recent published research was about ads for toys And I don't want to just say on TV, because the only thing we could do was look at them on all the TV channels that have ads. But we have obviously been trying to look as well at the same ads that appear on things like YouTube, because obviously the media landscape's changed in the last few years with streaming. So that research at the end of, where are we, 2021, was a follow-up to our 2015 research, where we really wanted to see if the landscape had changed and how toys were being advertised to children. And some of it was positive. So more ads now show boys and girls playing together. And the girls are really joining the boys so that toys that might previously only have had boys in, so um, weapon play, some construction toys, that sort of thing, now have girls playing alongside boys. But we're still concerned that there's very much a pink zone. So boys are not being shown playing with dolls or fashion or appearance type toys. So we've still got a bit of a way to go. Ads for vehicles like toy trucks and things feature girls more than they used to. And to be fair, there were some baby doll ads showing boys. But again, they're showing boys and girls. There were none that show only boys. Because back in 2015, there weren't any that showed baby dolls. So by baby doll, we mean a doll that looks like a baby because doll is obviously quite a wide category. So our two biggest takeaways is it's brilliant to see boys and girls playing together a lot more but we'd love to see more boys being included in those traditionally feminine activities. Olivia, and I think the Advertising Standards Authority got involved. Could you tell us a bit about that? I seem to remember a few years back there being an advert for baby milk and then the the baby, the boy baby grew up to be an explorer or an astronaut and then the girl baby had aspirations of being a ballet dancer. Could you tell us a bit about that? So they've had some new rules since June 2019 about how gender stereotypes 
should or shouldn't be portrayed in adverts. They had a consultation going since 2017 that we were actually involved in. I attended in person and we submitted quite a lot of evidence about gender stereotypes being harmful, particularly in advertising. The other people who were consulted was the Fawcett Society, and they've done a really good survey that they called Unlimited Potential that had the figure that 66% of parents were really bothered that toys shouldn't be advertised differently to girls and boys. So as a result of all that, since 2019, the ASA have had some rules. It's interesting, some of the ads that have been upheld, complaints have been upheld to them about sexism or about gender stereotypes have all been ads aimed at adults. So none that are aimed at children or for children's products or toys. So the baby milk one you have mentioned about where the boy grows up to be an astronaut and the girl to be a ballerina. There have been three that have been banned since then. One where it used the word girl boss. One where a man was portrayed as being an absolutely useless dad. And there was one more that was basically playing on stereotypes of men and women. I think it was that the woman was expected to do all the cleaning. What we think is interesting, though, is they have phrased it that gender stereotypes that are likely to cause harm or serious or widespread offence. And they have said that there's even an extra line about how you might advertise things to children that says it would be inappropriate to explicitly say that a product's for one or the other gender. But we're interested in the word explicit because we feel, and in fact, they acknowledge this in their report, that it's often the cumulative effect. So if you do want to spend a bit of time watching one of the commercial channels that still have ads, you will get this drip drip effect. We've done some videos, which I can send you links to, but if you look up our advertising research, we've done videos where we've tried to cross promote these and explain these are the ones that are good practice. Often what happens is you think an advert is showing girls and boys together and then you realise the girl is just an observer, but they are still keeping to the ASA guidance. There's the Maisie test for children's TV, which is like the Bechdel test for films. And the Maisie test, it's not for advertising. In terms of advertising, we have our just for asks which you can look at on our website, where we want advertisers to show boys and girls playing together to be much more representative of what it means to be a boy or a girl. Really ditch those cliches. Again, if you go and watch some adverts, you'll just get a bit fed up of the pink versus blue. And also use colour in a much more imaginative way. There's often too much use of pink and purple for the girls and black and blue and green for the boys. I can talk more about children's TV, but it's not really an area we specifically campaign about. The only thing I would say is I think things have got a bit better, but we have a hashtag called Missing Girls. So if you look at children's TV, the really big hitters like Paw Patrol or Peppa Pig, Hey Dougie, there's obviously now Bluey, is that only are there fewer female characters in all of those shows, leaving aside Bluey, which we could do a whole podcast on. But once those characters become toys for the retail market, they are sort of divided off. So we used to have a hashtag of missing girls where, say, Sky from Paw Patrol was taken off T-shirts as if no self-respecting boy would be allowed a Sky T-shirt or should only have all the male pups. PJ Masks, again, there's only one female character, Owlet. All of those, it's been really interesting in terms of how much Little boys are quite happy to identify with Sky or want the pink pyjamas. And yet the retail market, both in clothes and toys, is 
very much designating that there's a sort of must in terms of what boys and girls should either be wearing or playing with. So I think there's been a shift within children's TV that there's more representation of female characters, but there's definitely further that they could go. And if you don't know Bluey, do seek it out. It's Australian. It's about two female little girl dogs. But I have noticed recently lots of children and even parents think that Bluey is male and she is not. Well, I think I need to do some research into this myself. So uh, I'll do some watching and then I'll come back to you and let you know what I think. So what are the best examples of toy companies who've really embraced the campaign recommendations? So when people ask us this, we tend to say it's the smaller independent UK toy stores. Anyone can apply to be mystery shopped. And then each year we award Toy Mark to those shops and we will be reviewing the shop and then possibly their website on how they're categorising toys, not saying they're for boys and for girls, how they're using colour, how they're grouping toys together. So, for example, even if they don't have an aisle that says girls, say, have they put Lego friends in among the dolls rather than in the Lego, that sort of thing. So there are over 50 toy mark shops and you can look them up on our website and see if you have one local to you. And our inaugural winner is Whirligig, who now have five branches on the South Coast. And so they've done incredibly well. We have not yet awarded a toy mark to any of the really big shops. So we have in the past met with the entertainer and there are some stores of the entertainer that have been refitted that are brilliant. They've removed any pink and blue indicators. So there's no pink or blue carpet. There's no pink or blue shelving. They say things like construction toys above toy sections, but sadly, not all of their branches are like that. So we don't feel that that is something we can award to any of the bigger ones. And again, if you go around any supermarkets or the department stores, you'll find a similar trend in that lots of them pledge. So Tesco, John Lewis, House of Fraser, sadly, some have now gone bust like Debenhams, either because of the recession or COVID, but they've all made this pledge and they've all taken down the signs, but occasionally a few things still pop up, which is why we're still active on social media and want to know. And then we want them to take it a step further and really mix up the toys and not just do it through signage, but do it through how they're presenting the toys. And I think there was some research that came out from Lego. They seem to be quite active in this space as well. Yes, so they've done a bit of a turnaround. Lego's an interesting one. It's the one that gets everyone most worked up. So whenever we used to do fairs or conferences, the one everyone come and talk to us about was Lego. People remember Lego from when they were growing up and how much Lego marketing has changed. Late last year, they did a brilliant piece of research with the Gina Davis Institute of Media that we were very impressed with, where they had properly surveyed across, I think it was five countries, families with boys and girls and spoken to the children on their own and not just with their parents. What that was showing to them was that parents particularly and the children really wanted Lego to be marketed to everyone. They didn't feel it was for boys or for girls. But what also came through, which reflected a lot of the research we've done, such as our advertising research, is the biggest figure that came out was how many boys, and often it's dads of boys as well, feel that the boys cannot play with something that is deemed to be for girls or girly. And I don't think any of us in the campaign were surprised by it, but that was the thing that made the headlines because the research ironically was done for the International Day of the Girl nearly a year ago. And yet the biggest finding was how much boys are being held back by not having that varied play diet. Some of the Lego research may have shown this as well. It's often this sort of anxiety about what it is to be a man. 
We've got some lovely memes and images we use where we'll say, well, what's wrong with a boy playing with a uh, pushchair or a doll's pram or whatever? Oh, no, he might end up being a dad, you know, those sorts of things. And we are aware there's probably some underlying homophobia in there. There is this perception of how you grow up to be a man is perceived differently from what girls can grow up to be. So, yeah, it is a really interesting one. Absolutely. And International Day of the Girl is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. Why is it so important for us to mark the day? Oh, so many reasons. When you asked me this, I thought, oh, I don't know where to start. (laughs) Obviously, we are a campaign that recognises sexism throughout childhood, but also how that impacts on the rest of your life. And so we really want to celebrate girls and everything that they can do. And I think it's really important to recognise it to say, despite things we were just talking about the research that girls in theory are allowed to play with more things than boys there are still things like the gender pay gap there's violence against women and girls there's sexism in schools I'm sure you've seen all the coverage of that there's sexual harassment in the workplace and there's all sorts of ways that jobs are often demeaned you know what does it mean to become a nurse or a teacher those sort of key care worker roles so there's all sorts of ways that we think it's important to mark the international day of the girl and I think the other thing is Because we've always said we're about making sure Let Toys Be Toys are for everyone. And it's not a campaign just for girls or just for boys, but that gender stereotypes have a harmful effect on everyone. And I think it's also about recognising how boys need to understand that girls have as big a place in the world as them. Because one of the things we are concerned comes through often in the messaging is if girly is seen as derogatory, what is that saying about their sisters and their mothers and all their classmates? And then what does it say about aspirations for girls, about what they might want to grow up to be? So, yeah, there's all sorts of ways that we think it's incredibly important. And what will you be doing to celebrate International Day of the Girl this year? Well, we're still thinking about this because we've got our own 10th anniversary a bit later in the year. We are trying to start a new project where we will want mystery shoppers and we're trying to make sure that gauging what is going on in the last 10 years for girls and boys in the retail sector, that's one way that I think we'll be celebrating. I think on the day itself, we obviously always have some lovely imagery we've often used on social media. And we often ask people to send us more about the girls who are being astronauts and engineers and playing at all sorts of things. So we will definitely celebrate it in that way. And how can the Womanthology community get involved and support what you do? So if any of your followers and supporters or any of the community want to get in touch with us, so they could do that through DMs on Twitter or Instagram, or they can email us via our website. We'd love to hear from people all over the country because we're always keen to get people out, you know, eyes and ears to see what is actually happening in your local shopping centre or supermarket or whatever. So that would be brilliant. And then I think the other thing is just always promoting all toys are for everyone because if we want boys to be nurses and girls to be engineers they need to have those different experiences and varied play diets and if you're buying toys for new babies or for little nieces and nephews or even grandchildren please think outside the box but also think about what they really like and don't conform to stereotypes when you buy them And what have we got coming up for you, Olivia? What are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? So it's my birthday next week. So that's quite exciting. So there's always a lot of September birthdays in our family. So I'll be celebrating that. And then I think we're hoping to have a get together for our Let Toys Be Toys 10th anniversary. So that could be very exciting as well. And then really just carrying on with some of my digital work and some of my inclusivity work. 
and hoping that we get more pledges and more example, positive examples sent to us on the campaign, because sometimes it is frustrating. So my son is now 12 and it is frustrating to think when he was two, I was seeing some of this stuff and it is still sometimes there in the shops or on the TV or people are sending it to us on social media. And it would be so good if we could just see the back of some of it. Well, keep doing what you're doing, Olivia, because I remember further back in the campaign, I think we started out at very similar times, but just the amount of progress that you see in this area, also in areas like women's sport, it's people like you and Tess and the rest of the people in the campaign that are chipping away at these issues and not letting them go. And that's how things change. It's happening and it's happening now. It's maybe not as quickly as we'd like, but it's happening and it's all down to people like you. So seriously, hats off to you. Thank you. Yes, and to you. And I think you're right. It is really important to keep chipping away and not giving up and thinking, okay, things are definitely better than 10 years ago. Can we make them even better in the next 10 years? Absolutely. And I think that's the way we've got to consider it. Thank you so much, Olivia. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you. Let's keep in touch. And for anybody who wants to follow the campaign and also keep in touch with Olivia, I'll put the contact details in the show notes. So Olivia Dickinson, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. As the lovely Inesh Santos, our associate editor, is off on her holidays at the moment, I'm bringing you the news stories and the written issue on her behalf. Louise Gear is head of football development at the Football Association. Amongst other things, Louise and her team are responsible for growing and future-proofing the national grassroots game of football across England. Louise discusses how the Womanthology community can get behind campaigning efforts to get more girls better access to play football at school and in clubs. Claire Reindorp, Chief Executive Officer of Young Women's Trust, talks about the need to give more visibility and power to girls and young women when, despite girls tending to outperform boys in education at every stage from early careers through GCSEs and A-levels all the way to degrees, this isn't translating into equality in the workplace. STEM champion and blogger Alice Gray discusses why diverse science means better science and how we need to show young girls what they are truly capable of by challenging structural inequalities in STEM and beyond. And finally, also in the STEM space, Beth Clark, Advanced Consultant Engineer at Cap Gemini Engineering, who has recently taken on the role of Assistant County Commissioner for Growth and Development with Avon Scouts, discusses why there's double the reason to celebrate on October the 11th this year, when International Day of the Girl falls on the same day as Ada Lovelace Day. Do check out our website, womanthology.co.uk, for the full stories. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link for the show on social media and also follow the show. Your feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. Join us in the next episode and written issue where we'll be celebrating Black History Month. That's all for now. 